Welcome back to the Dakota Student Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. And today I'm joined with Matthew Turnus, student body president. And I'm joined with Kaylin Reedy and Ben, of course. So thank you all for joining me and Ben. You guys are doing well. Yeah, thank you for for, uh, inviting us. Yeah, no problem at all. This episode of the Dakota Student Podcast is sponsored by Fighting Over Sue. Fighting Over Sue is a feature-length documentary told through one-on-one interviews with tribal leaders, students, alumni, bloggers, reporters, politicians, and superfans. When the NCAA bans a small hockey town's Native American name and logo, a battle begins to save a college icon. Filmed across North Dakota in Grand Forks, Fargo, and Bismarck, as well as throughout the Standing Rock, Spirit Lake, and Turtle Mountain Indian Reservations, Fighting Over Sioux has been featured in film festivals across the United States. The documentary is available in theaters now throughout North Dakota and on demand through computer, TV, and mobile devices. To watch it online, go to Vimeo On Demand and search Fighting Over Sioux. In theaters in Williston, Kenmare, Minot, Wing, Bismarck, Fargo, East Grand Forks, Grafton, and Park River. So, first on the agenda, uh, you know, we got to talk about it. North Dakota still not looking good for COVID. So, I'm just kind of curious, what has, like, changed in your guys' life in relation to how bad COVID's been getting in North Dakota? You know, have you guys been discussing with faculty more, or what's been going on? Yeah, we, you know... COVID is such a fluid topic and and the discussion around it changes every day as we continue to find out new things. Um, As for how the university is approaching it, um, you know, uh, UND sent out a lot of messaging regarding um, Thanksgiving and, 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 um, you know, looking forward to the the winter break as well. Um, If students are traveling, uh, they're advised to stay home. It's a, it's a go home once policy. Um, it's not mandatory, it's encouraged. Um, so, you know, perhaps population in Grand Forks here looks a little different um, in the coming weeks as students kind of uh, trickle out. Um, and and I think we're going to see that across other institutions too. It's not just going to be UND, it'll probably be NDSU, Dickinson, um, and the likes of those. Uh, will that lower numbers dramatically i don't I'm, i don't know um you know we're seeing a lot of of cities and counties and and governor Burgum too just implemented a, a mask mandate so it'll be really interesting to see how that works i believe that mask mandate statewide kind of rolls off i think it's december 14th um as and they picked that date to allow for two cycles of incubation of, of COVID incubation to, to go through, um, you know, we're seeing 100, 200 cases pop up, um, you know, every other day now, it seems like I follow the, the department of health on Twitter and, and see those updates. Um, and then, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing deaths across the state and Grand Forks and, and, and Fargo across the state. And it's, it's unfortunate. So I'm really hoping that, you know, we as a, a greater public can can kind of rally ourselves and come together and get this under control here soon. I'd just like to add, um, it's it is difficult, and we've known this for a while that students have been um, the center of controversy in cities like Grand Forks in the activities they undertake and commonly spread COVID. Um, I got to speak to the university's credit a bit. 
I haven't got the sense that since I started attending meetings at the beginning of the year versus now that the university has changed its tune um, in any negative way in regards to COVID. Um, the university did worked very hard to have a strong COVID response at the beginning of the year, and it's continued and only increased its efforts um, till this point. So I got to yes. speak to the credit of the university for that. Uh, the university didn't, they definitely took this seriously at the beginning of the year and they're still taking it very seriously now. Yeah. And, and kind of to the credit of, of our classmates here, I think, I think more students take COVID seriously than, than those that don't, um, you know, mm -hmm. sure either you see your house parties or, or things pop up here and there, but, but there's a, a, a vast majority of students want to remain in Grand Forks, you know, want to remain a part of the community. They don't want to see businesses shut down because of COVID cases. So um, mm -hmm. it's great seeing, you know, people our age, 21, 22, around that age, you know, kind of kind of take this seriously and be leaders in it. Uh, when the city council was discussing their mask mandate, um, you know, a little over a month ago, there were there were several students there and several students spoke. Um, so it was it's been really cool to see them engaged in this process. So I just have a personal question to tie to that and you guys don't have to answer if you don't want to, but with Minnesota's new, you know, uh, mandate with bars shutting down and gym shutting down and whatnot, do you guys agree that it's, you know, that's a step in the right direction or are they doing too much and are they going to ruin some businesses? What do you guys think the, the right plan is? I know that's a pretty loaded question, but I'm kind of curious <laughs> to know. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's tough. You know, I'm, I'm a political science student. I'm not a, not a public health student. So I, I don't, I don't know what the best plan for COVID might be. I know, I know that if everyone in a room is wearing face coverings, that that reduces the risk of transmission. Um, if the, the goal of a lot of those changes in policy and those restrictions is to limit the number of people in certain areas and to limit the, 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 the amount of spread that can happen at a, at a given time. Um, and I, su I support that. Um, I, I, I'm not sure about the idea that at a certain time things need to drop off, like at, at 10 o'clock or at 11 o'clock. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of the idea of, you know, limited capacity and, and ensuring like if it's a restaurant or if it's a bar, if you're not at your table, you should be wearing a face covering, a limited socialization. Um, I don't have a very strong opinion on, 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 on time restrictions, but I mean, that's just me. And if, if it's proven to work, then, then I'll, I'll get behind that. Yeah, I think, I think Matt said it really well. We are political science students, not public health. But something we learn in our political science classes or any leadership class is when you're in charge of something, when you make decisions, it's always good to take in the opinions and the accounts of experts. And I think public health officials across Minnesota, across the nation, have um, not come to a complete consensus, but they all have opinions that you can uh, trust. And I think Minnesota's actions in this case, I think they are working in conjunction with public health officials to make these decisions. And I would always encourage them to um, work closely with those figures. Mm -hmm. And these policies are these policies are put in place, you know, one to protect the individual, and two to to make sure that 
our our hospitals and our healthcare facilities aren't aren't overrun. Um, you know, our, our, not every bed at, as an example, not every bed at Altru is going to be occupied by a COVID patient. Um, there there could be people there for X, Y, or Z reasons. Uh, the issue runs into if if a huge influx of COVID patients need to come in and there aren't enough staffed beds. Now we're running into issues. So that's kind of where these policies come into place is it's to try to hopefully, you know, one, limit the number of people and the volume of people becoming positive and two, um, you know, provide enough room for, for hospitals and healthcare facilities to operate. So in relation to COVID, we've been seeing a lot of stuff about the vaccine and its development. I believe it was Pfizer that said they have a vaccine that was 95% effective if I'm not mistaken. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Are you nervous about it or are you guys excited? I don't really know how I feel currently, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's a little best of both worlds for me. I'm excited and nervous. Who knows? <laughs> I can jump right off of that just based on the things I've been reading. Um, again, I'm actually kind of just saying the same thing I uh, just said a bit ago. I like to listen to the opinions and the accounts of experts. I like to see what um, public health officials, especially in topics like this, are saying. And if the vaccine is looking like it's got the backing of public health officials, then I am extremely excited for it. Um, I think a lot of people were worried about a vaccine being rushed out, and I understand those kind of concerns. That's completely valid. But, I mean... There's a fine line, in my opinion, between a conspiratorial mindset and legitimate fears over um, issues with the vaccine. And so I would urge people to look at the um, consensus of public health officials as they uh, consider whether to you know, protect themselves here. Yeah. And, and with that, too, um, you know, just reading about the progress that, that these vaccine trials have gone through, um, you know, a, a month or two ago, I was reading an article that was the, the kind of side effects of these vaccines and in, in their studies. They found that the symptoms of, of the, the, vac, uh, the vaccine mimicked those of, of COVID. You know, people experienced a lot of the same symptoms. And now in some of the more recent updates from, from Pfizer and, and what's the other one, Moderna? Is that right? I think. Something um, similar, yeah, I think. Something, yeah, it's Moderna. Some, something like that. Okay. Um, um, you know, some of the side effects I'm reading about are, are simply just a headache or, or feeling a little under the weather. Um, so we're seeing a lot of progress there. Uh, to echo Kalen, like if if public health officials are in on it, if the CDC says it's good, if if it's given the green light for distribution, I think it's safe to trust. Um, I think I think us, you know, us four in this in this call right now, I don't think we see it right away. I think obviously. It, it gets prioritized in its distribution, your, your healthcare workers, your at-risk populations, and it trickles down, um, to, to students like us. Um, but you know, with every, every person that takes it, a you know, a 90, 95% success rate, uh, that's going to help a, a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So I've discussed this with Ben. I can't remember which week it was, but you know, the anti-vax movement has been a, a relatively small minority throughout the years, you know, and you know, this is assumption. So I'm, I'm thinking that very small minority is going to have a, a pretty big following with the, the coming of this vaccine. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I feel like a lot of people are going to be, you know, 
mm-hmm. untrustworthy of that vaccine. I think you know, it's I, quite. In, oh, sorry. Continue, Matt. No, 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 Kaylin, you first. You and I probably have the same answer. <laughs> we might have a similar one. I was just going to say I think that a lot of the um, arguments I've seen against the uh, vaccine here um, came from the position of the election, and I think while the concerns are um, similar, I think the overall anti-vax movement. Um, I think it did come from a bit of a different place than the concerns that were put in the uh, vaccine coming out right after the election. I think the fears were placed in different areas. Um, And I think that ultimately it's a movement. People all have their own opinions. People all have differing reasons for why they might fear this vaccine over other vaccines. Um, And certainly I agree completely. The anti-vax movement opposing vaccines is certainly going to come full force here. But um, urging urging people to listen to public health officials reason um i I would never argue that the majority of our public health officials are out to get anyone here i think we have um good people working on these things and i think that um listening to the opinions of experts here is something i would urge all people to do look into these things reasonably take a reasonable mindset as you're looking into it don't come at things like this with the perspective of you're you, people are out to get you. It's kind of difficult, but you know. Mm-hmm. And kind of going off of one of Kalen's points about, you know, um, specifically with the COVID vaccine and and the impacts that uh, the election kind of had on the thought processes behind it. Um, you know, moving forward, I think uh, it's important that our local, our statewide, and our national leaders kind of like in a sense, try to come together and, and, and calm the public that if, if the Pfizer vaccine really is a 95% success rate and that's what we're distributing, that, then that's what, and, and it's successful and that's what we need to get behind. You know, um, we need to encourage that, that it works. Um, and, and that it's, it's what's best for the public. I think getting into potential theories now, um, if that's what we want to do, I think we'll see some, some legal battles about whether or not uh, states can mandate uh, vaccines. I'm sure that some are going to try to argue that that's what that, that that's what governments should do. Um, and so it'll be a really interesting time coming up, I think, regarding this and and public health as as a whole. Oh yeah, I absolutely. agree. It's going to be a very interesting time, and you know, 2020 has been an interesting time altogether. Uh, so keeping on the COVID topic, Matt. You recently came down with COVID, so I'm just curious to know what your experience was like and how that went for you. Yeah, so it was it was really it was different. It was strange. Um, I uh, I had tested at the kind of the end of October, and I test weekly um, or tested weekly prior to uh, uh, finding out I was positive, um, and. I, the day I had tested, I started, I had my symptoms developed. I had a fever of over hundred degrees. I had a cough, I had shortness of breath. I pretty much crossed off every checkbox, uh, except for loss of taste and smell. I kept both of those, which is great. Cause if I couldn't taste my like pizza rolls, I probably would have cried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, it, you know, that, that was a bummer. I moved into the uh, hotels provided by UND. I, I, I live in a house of five. Kalen is my roommate upstairs right now. Um, I didn't want to, uh, you know, infect anyone. So I 
I, I moved out and thankfully none of my roommates tested positive. Um, moved out, moved into the hotels. I was in the roadway in for about 10 days and, you know, had UND dining services, uh, opted into their service of supplying meals. Um, I called it, I called it summer at the roadway. Um, and which was a horrible mindset to have because like I had work I needed to do, but I kind of treated it as a vacation. Um, but I, I maintained many of my symptoms through the first five or so days of being at the roadway. Um, and then even after I was cleared by the state um, and, and was told I could go, my, my shortness of breath stuck with me for quite some time, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm in a men's choir on campus. I'm a part of the Varsity Bards men's chorus. And I had, I had to have a conversation with our director. It was, it was like, Dr. Jillick, like, like it, it's hard for me to breathe right now. Like, I don't know if I can do this as well as I can. So um, thankfully, uh, that's kind of gotten more back to normal. I, I can breathe better um, and more normally. But um, it, was, it was really wild that, that it had such a lasting effect. And, and with that, too, the kind of the mental health stressors that came along with it, it was a, it was a stressful time because, you know, I was worried about, um, you know, who had I interacted with prior that, that could have it? Um, you know, how is this going to affect my academics? I was pulled out of, out of a couple in-person hybrid courses. Um, so I was missing instructional days and some of those courses didn't offer, um, a, a zoom component. Um, so I was kind of in the dark on, on some stuff, but since then I've, I've caught up and, and we're kind of back to normal. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still fighting the good fight and, and being proactive and being COVID conscious and, uh, you know, advocating for mask usage and whatnot. Um, I, after I was cleared by the, uh, by the state, a couple of days later, I appeared and spoke at the city council meeting when they had their mask mandate discussion and, and provided some comments on my experience there too. So, um, it's, it's, it's good to always use your experience to, to help others kind of learn and listen more. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better, buddy. I know that's uh, probably not the best time for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's it's different, and and you know I'm a I'm a member of a of a, of a fraternity here on campus, Beta Theta Pi. Um, and a, a while after I had my positive test, a couple of them uh, kind of came down with it, and our guys have been have been trying to be really good and, and respectful of of COVID protocols. So. Um, they had to put that whole house on lockdown. And I know a lot of guys kind of struggled financially uh, and, and with mental health concerns and whatnot. So uh, there's a lot of different UND resources that can be utilized. I utilize some of them myself too. Uh, the counseling center is a great option. Um, you know, having, having a professional service to go in and, and chat with is great. Uh, for financial concerns, UND has the angel fund that people can apply for. Um, you know, if, if you're being taken out of work from COVID, that's that's that can be, you know, really hard on on the bank account and, and raise concerns with rent or something as simple as as what am I going to have for dinner? So UND has been really good at finding ways to uh, aid their you know our our fellow classmates through this time. On top of UND, you know, helping classmates, you guys have been putting in a lot of work for SU grading and things like that. <laughs> And I know a, a lot of the DS staff, I think around four of them came down with COVID and I'm, I'm sure it was stressful for them as well. So is that kind of what added to your guys' decision to push for the SU grading? Just all this COVID-related drama? 
I, I think Matt and I both, um, from the start of the year, we had a feeling that this year was going to be difficult for students. I, I don't think that's a bold prediction by any means. I think everyone kind of saw um, that this would be a difficult time for students, uh, not just as they had to face um, hybrid learning, but also the added stressors that just come with social distancing and potentially even catching COVID or having a loved one catch it. Um, and from there, Matt and I started having discussions with faculty members. I think we both figured we should see how things are going or how things are proceeding as the year went on, um, seeing how professors adopted to teaching their classes online now that they had a little more time to prep their courses for it as opposed to last semester. And we saw what we predicted. We saw students suffering a great deal of mental health troubles that sometimes even not just mental health, physical problems, physically being unable to uh, pay attention to their coursework that um, could very well negatively impact grades in a way that Matt and I, I, I don't think we find acceptable. I think this is a time for lenience. This is a time for tolerance of, um, these are unprecedented circumstances. And so luckily, um, as we talked to faculty and staff, they really a lot of them came to our support and felt the same way. Um, and it's not just students who are suffering during this time. Faculty and staff are facing the same issues that students are. And that support, that um, the teamwork that we had there really helped us push for um, an initiative that I think uh, really benefits the student body. And Matt and I uh, to just today finished up our uh, North Dakota Student Association meeting. Um, we just passed a resolution which encourages um, the transition to SU grading or an equivalent for not just UND, but other uh, schools across the state, um, encouraging other campuses to look into the benefits that, that might bring to students if they haven't already adopted uh, the leniency on the SU system. And so, um, yeah, to make a long story short, I think that uh, this was an initiative that was a bit of a long time coming, and it's something that we achieved with both student, faculty, and staff support. Yeah, and, and seeing the, the student voice kind of turn out for this subject um, it was, was a huge part of, of our movement to get it uh, implemented. Yeah, Kaylin and I had been communicating with university leadership very early on in the, in the semester. I'm pretty sure um, there were a few email exchanges or phone call exchanges as early as September about at least wanting to discuss uh, this idea. But, you know, come October, early November, um, we, we started hearing from a lot of students that, that you know, their performance academically is, has been impacted this semester, be it from the virus itself or be it from factors impacted by the virus. Um, and and there's an, there, there's a, an overwhelming uh, expression that, that the spring 2020 SU system um, should be should be brought back for discussion, and so we we can we crafted and put out a survey. Um, we had published it out, and we we worked with various um, uh, partners to kind of push it out. Whether that's our student leadership or I know uh, UND Barstool on Twitter uh, shared the survey too. But uh, we put out a survey just trying to get student opinion on on this subject. What did they think of it? Uh, in the first 24 hours of it being posted, we had 1,400 responses. It, it was an incredible response rate. And of that, 67% of individuals um, 
wanted to see the return of the optional, uh, you know, pick and choose your classes, traditional grading versus the expanded SU that we saw in spring. So we took that data, we brought it to our student government, which consists of representatives um, that represent all kind of uh, corners of campus, individual colleges, you know, on campus, off campus. Um, And they, they passed a resolution unanimously our student government did supporting this. We took that to university leadership, uh, discussed it with faculty, staff, um, and then they passed it. By, it was a margin of 77% uh, in favor. So big support there. One of the big points that uh, faculty raised was that this could be a matter of retention for some. Um, and, and I hadn't even thought of that. that was, it was a really interesting point. And we discussed it a lot during our North Dakota Student Association meeting today. Um, you know, there might be students right now um, that, that because of, you know, all the factors and all the stressors of COVID, um, they might be looking at the performance right now, which is, you know, maybe not up to par with what they're used to. And they might be thinking, you know what, maybe this college thing isn't for me. And that's just, that's just not what it's supposed to be. Um, so, you know, providing this, this kind of cushion that students can opt into and say, you know what, if that's the case, we, we, we SU a couple classes and we try again next semester. You know, it, it might be a matter of that for, for some people. And that could keep people in enrolled in colleges, whether that's at UND, NDSU, wherever it is in the NDUS or across the nation. Um, I think, you know, the idea of retention, this being a matter of it, um, was, was a, a welcomed point of discussion. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job personally. And I know that the SU decision was very well received. I, from my own, you know, personal skimming of Instagram, I saw that you were called the King Matt and you're also called goat. <laughs> so I'm guessing you I, like that. <laughs> I, I, I had to laugh cause Barstool commented on, um, one of my Instagram pictures, just a crown emoji. And <laughs> I, I screenshotted that that's probably going to go on my resume. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So I'm going to bring it back to our last podcast. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about politics. We didn't really talk about, you know, who we're in favor of because that doesn't really matter. We talked about mail-in ballots and things of that sort. So with this outcome of this election still being, you know, yet to be determined, I know Biden's pronounced the winner. I know Trump's crying like a baby for recounts. Um, Where do you guys see this going? What do you, what do you guys think of it? That's so, a great question. <laughs> yeah, Kalen, who wants to throw out controversial opinions first, Kalen? You were. Uh... Well, I, I was going to start with uh, election night at our house. As Matt said, we're roommates <laughs> um, and we're political science students. So, of course, we're hosting our uh, election night where we invite a couple friends over and we sit down, uh, watch the election, see how it goes. And usually it's a fantastic time. COVID meant we couldn't invite uh, 100 people over to watch it as we would have liked. but. Um, uh, we expected it to be a night. We expected it to uh, be over and we'd have a great time. And we woke up the morning of and there was still decisions that needed to be made. And throughout that week, the TV just stayed on and some of us just kept glued to the screen. <laughs> and um, one of our friends, her, her name is Lydia, said that she could handle and she enjoyed the stress of election night, but she couldn't handle the stress of election week. And that really just rung with me. Um, I have, I have no clue what's actually going to come of all of this. It is a matter of I, I read forums every day. I'm on Reddit. I'm on uh, news sites. I'm looking at 
all of the things that's happening. And as we said in the last um, Dakota student podcast, it's it's unprecedented. I have no clue what's happening or what's going to happen, but I am certainly going to keep paying attention. And I, 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 I hope that everything ends up in a you know safe and relatively. Um, peaceful transition. And the fact that I'd have to say I hope this ends in a peaceful transition of power in the United States is a little disconcerting, but there's my controversial opinion. <laughs> 2020, yeah. that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of like what Kalen said, our TV in our, our living room was on probably for five days straight. Um, and I, I fell asleep the first night on the couch out there in our living room. And I was woken up by one of our other roommates waking up Kalen to announce that Wisconsin had just flipped red to blue. And, and so that's when we were all like, that's when the the five days of no sleep kind of started. Um, we stayed up until unreal hours, just watching this election. Um, <laughs> and it's been really interesting to see that election feels like it's so long ago. It's really only like two, three weeks ago, but, um, it's been interesting to kind of follow the, the aftermath of election week. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of different lawsuits and, and recounts have, have been thrown around. I know Georgia just finished up their hand recount, which, which the found more votes for Trump, but still resulted in Biden leading. Um, and, and I know Wisconsin's deadline just recently passed for a recount. So I don't know if they're going to be doing one or what that's going to look like. Um, I think you're going to start to see more of your swing states start to certify their results. And I think the electoral college is going to meet um, in December. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if any big change is going to come out of, out of what's going on. You know, I know there were, there's a, I'll call it a, I don't want to call it a controversy. There's an article that came out the other day that the the Trump campaign was trying to argue in in some county in in um, in Michigan, I believe, where Detroit is, that that some eight hundred thousand ballots or six hundred thousand ballots or something uh, should be reviewed and 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 potentially thrown out. And I know that court case was shot down, and um, so it, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, we still have a month until the electoral college meets, like what other court cases could pop up? What other courts are going to review it? You know, does it go to the United States Supreme court? I don't know. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's, and it's an interesting time. And, um, you know, we saw the most engagement in a presidential election ever. Um, one of my, one of my friends made a comment to me and it was, um, it, it was Donald Trump got, oh, how did he word it? It was Donald Trump got, would have had the most, the highest votes ever cast in, in a presidential election if it weren't for Joe Biden. Because um, as Joe Biden got, I believe it was what, four or five million more than him. So, you know, that just shows that incredible turnout, I think over over 70 million voters each. Um, you know, that's breaking the record of the 2008 election and, and, and other elections that are, that are similar. So um, it, I think it's shown that, you know, the American people are engaged in the process, maybe now more than ever. Um, and it'll be really interesting as we go into 2022 midterms, 2024 elections, like does that, does that engagement keep up or does that kind of fall off? 
Yeah, no idea. Uh, I think a lot of people hated Trump, and that brought out a lot of people. And you know, I think a lot of people dislike Biden, but we'll see. The one thing I know for sure is that this election fits 2020 so damn well. You know, like I couldn't imagine a different election for this year. This is, it's it's kind of sad, but it's exactly how I expected it to turn out. <laughs> sure. Yep. Um, yeah, just mind-boggling stuff, man. Yeah, that's um, for sure. I'm trying to think. I don't have too much else to discuss. I don't know about you guys. No, I thought I thought this was a good discussion, so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, ben, you got anything to add? I think maybe the one thing we could talk there's as a closing topic, now that Thanksgiving has passed and we're coming up on Christmas, it's the, uh, and with finals coming up and everything, that this is going to be a very challenging time for students. So they're, they're, everyone's stress levels are going to be much more than what they were even before Thanksgiving. We've got, we've got finals mm-hmm. coming up. We've got... We have these these cases going up. We've got travel restrictions. Of it's going to be no matter what happens, we it's going to be a very challenging winter, as well as preparing for January with everything going on. Of are we going to have the same returnment of return of students back in January as we have had currently? Are we going to is are we going to see cases spike up to a point where Yes, the university has said we're going to be in person at where they may have to say halfway through break. This is in person is just not going to work for the time being. We're going to have to take maybe a couple weeks or a month of online. It's we're coming into a very challenging time for uh, for everything going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I guess um, I, I don't know if I've asked you guys this, but do you guys see anything changing in spring? Do you see any in person classes at all or? Do you see a spring commencement in person? <laughs> you know, I'm so as for spring commencement, I just recently found out that I, in fact, won't be a fifth year and I will be graduating in May. Hey, congratulations. Questions. Thank you. So, uh, you know, if 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 there can be a spring commencement, wouldn't that be cool? Um, but you, you, you guys hit it on the head. Like, we'll have to wait and see what it looks like. Um, I, I think as of right now, uh, I haven't heard any indication that we're going to, you know, necessarily start the spring semester online. Um, COVID, as we said earlier, COVID's a fluid topic, you know, a decision to, to come back right now um, for the spring, you know, maybe in, in a month and a half, that might look a little different, but plan on coming back. Um, you know, I think if we over a holiday break, uh, continue to be conscious of our, of our actions and our, and our interactions, um, you know, I think that's just going to set us up for success. Kind of my benchmark, my benchmark for, um, for analyzing COVID and, and student presence. And this isn't an official benchmark. This is my personal one. Um, so don't, so don't go quoting it to other people, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> my, uh, my, my personal benchmark is one, how is our hospital capacity? And two, how is our hotel quarantine and isolation capacity? Um, and right now our hotel, uh, quarantine isolation capacity is, is doing good. We've got space. Um, if students need it, you know, I don't, I don't have the numbers of what all true is looking like. Um, but I, I haven't heard a, a, an alarm go off anywhere. So I would, I would assume right now we're, 
we're sitting at an okay spot. We, but we, you know, we look at the county numbers, they're high. Um, it, if that continues to trend upwards, you know, we're, we're over a thousand cases. If we see that go over 2000, if we see that go higher, you know, that I think that's when your conversations start, um, of, well, what does, what does student presence look like? Um, so if we want to ensure that we are here in the spring and that we don't see a, 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 a huge spike after the holidays, um, we need to, we need to be conscious. We need to wear a mask. We need to, we need to do what we can to follow CDC guidelines, you know, limit your social circles, um, you know, maintain physical distancing when possible. Um, you know, I, I think back to my positive case, I could count on my hand on, on one hand, the number of close contacts that I had. Um, and so as long as we're all being, you know, proactive in our, in our actions and mannerisms around the, around the topic, I think, I think we'll be sitting. Okay. Um, it, it, it'll be an interesting time and, and maybe the world looks different then, you know, we talked about the Pfizer vaccine earlier, for all we know, that gets a green light and starts getting distributed and, and is produced in mass quantities. Um, but, but only time will tell. Well, thank you guys for coming on to the podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. I just want to say thank you again to student body president, Matt Turnus and student body vice president, Kaylin Reedy. You know, I hope thank you guys you. have a great rest of your semester. I hope you guys do well in your finals and thanks again for coming on. Take thank care you. and you too.